Hello and welcome to Arkan Legal's Business Broadcasts, hosted by Arkan Legal CEO Dave Newick. In this series, Dave explores matters affecting the estate planning industry, with special guests representing numerous businesses and expertise. Dave is an experienced CEO and public speaker, having owned and led many successful businesses, and now with Arkan Legal is helping to digitise the wills and probate sector. Hello and welcome to the Business Broadcast podcast series. Wonderful to have you with us here today, and I'm sure you're going to find the session with two very interesting guests, something that you're going to be looking forward to and enjoy listening to. I'd like to introduce you to Jonathan Barrett and Tim Farmer. Jonathan, I'm going to come to you first. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're up to these days. Hi, Dave. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, yeah, good to talk to you. So uh, what we're up to these days, uh, very busy, very, very busy. Uh, I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders of, of Comentis. Uh, Comentis essentially provides uh, groundbreaking, we use that word, groundbreaking technology to allow legal practitioners to identify sort of early doors, if you like, um, those who have potential issues with mental capacity. So as you can imagine, it's keeping us very, very busy. Um, so in terms of what I'm up to, 14-hour um, days at the moment, it feels like, uh, sort of just really building that out and really sort of getting to grips with the market. I mean, my background, for the record, is 25-odd years financial services, so still in professional services, but less so in legal. So it's been a really interesting journey for me, getting getting used to the legal sector and legal services um, and how I can sort of bring some of my skills, experience, knowledge of financial services into this sector. So, yeah, it's it's interesting time, fascinating topic um, and one that needs yeah a, a bit of a, a bit of a shake up, I think, you know, to help all involved, especially, you know, with what we're seeing around COVID. So there you go. As, as an intro, Fantastic. I actually give you a flavor. That is brilliant. And uh, and welcome to you. Great to Thank have uh, two founders on the show. Tim Farmer, I'm going to come to you, but to many people, uh, you will already be aware of Tim in the industry uh, with his work that he's done around mental capacity. Tim, welcome. Thanks, Dave. Welcome. Thanks for having us uh, on, on, on the, the podcast. Um, yeah, most of you guys will know me through the work I've done with TSF and mental capacity around that. Um, I'm also the clinical lead for Comentus, um, which is posing different challenges or the same challenges in a different way. So really being able to use my kind of clinical skills and knowledge and expertise and, and kind of embed that into the digital journeys and kind of online assessment tools. From a, from a clinical point of view, it's really exciting and I get quite nerdy about it. So I'm sure we'll talk more about it shortly. <laughs> well, welcome to you. And uh, can I just say it is completely okay to be nerdy about technology on this show. So uh, just nerd away. It's uh, it's <laughs> absolutely welcome to, uh, to the two of you. Now, look, we are here to talk about mental capacity, aren't we? So Tim, why don't I come to you first? Tell us more about some of the trends that you're seeing and, and what's happening in the mental capacity space. Well, David, it probably comes as no surprise that a lot of the, the trends we see in mental capacity reflect what's going on in the world at large. So, you know, there's no bigger kind of trend, if you like, than COVID at the moment. And, you know, we, we'd be naive to say that this hasn't had an impact in many, many ways. I mean, the most obvious one, I think, is, you know, the, the move towards online assessments. 
and and kind of the the embracing of technology through that way. But I, I think you know if, if we're thinking about mental capacity and we think about testamentary capacity, um, generally we find a lot of a lot of crossover and and a lot of the trends are driven by a lot of the demographics that's going on, um, and. You know, we know that the the average age of people doing wills is around 58. And we know that half of wills are done between those aged 50 to 70 years old. So we're thinking about that age group. Well, we, we know that there's cognitive decline going on in that age group. Ordinarily, I think the stats are 2% of the population. Uh, there's an issue around capacity. But as you'd expect, as you, as you hit the elder uh, end of the the age group you'd expect that to increase and a lot of people think that that kind of the brain the cognition just declines uniformly but actually there's some really interesting t- peaks and troughs that again get reflected in in the, the capacity stuff so i don't know if you knew this but memory actually starts to decline between the ages of 35 and and 45 and at that age group, 35 to 49, about three to four percent of the population, both male and female, are experiencing noticeable cognition and, and memory problems. But once we hit the 65 to 70, actually we start to see a big disparity. So men is about 10%, whereas with women, it's about 7%. So of course, the trend we start to see there is that we start to see more of the, or you'd expect to see more males coming through in terms of assessments because. The, the decline's happening. We also know that once you reach around 70, the ability to recall information after 30 minutes is only what's well, less than it's only about 30% of somebody that's around 20. And then we see different things around processing. I think this, I'm going to throw this in because I think it'd be interesting for, for your, 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 you know, the listeners to think about how they interact with people. Because when someone's 20 years old, they are four or five times faster in processing information than somebody that's 70. So again, what that means in terms of capacity, in terms of how we present, how we deal with people, is it's a very different approach. And of course, the older you get, the more it declines. There's another really cool little peak in there that I think, uh, it's only because I'm around 50, that we are at most emotionally intelligent at around 50, which is great, which means that, that right now, and you can, you can kind of, I appreciate that when you think of a 20-year-old against against someone that's slightly older. Um, and I suppose the other trend, of course, is dementia. And that's what everybody thinks of when, when we think about capacity, when we think about getting old. And you know, a lot of the drivers around will seem to be, oh, people are losing their memory and that's that sort of stuff. And again, we know that one in 14 over 65 have dementia, but it's only one in six in 80. So of course the trend continues to be around certainly for wills and that sort of thing as, as we get older the flip side in in capacity is around brain injuries because that tends to be a much younger group you know if you're in a car crash at the age of 80 your chances of surviving are much less than if your car crash at the age of 20 of course your life expectancy is shorter so you know when when we talk about the trends in society it really does follow you know kind of capacity really does does follow that and, and the sort of demographics there are some astounding facts in there, Tim. 
for, for me, and I'm sure for many of the people listening to this podcast, they're sitting there with their mouth open thinking, good <laughs> Lord, you know, I, I, I suddenly understand why I go into a room and forget why I'm there, you know, but uh, it's, it's not really a laughing matter, is it? Because when we come to thinking about uh, the issues of uh, mental capacity in and around estate planning in particular, uh, but legal services generally with uh, with probate and uh, all of the care related uh, aspects to this it's it's a very real consideration isn't it it makes it uh, very difficult for practitioners to uh, navigate their way through this uh, very much so very much so Dave especially as you know sometimes these these issues are hidden you know when we think about people losing memory and you think it starts at 45 we we build some really good, coping mechanisms you know to hide that to, to, to kind of navigate our way through and if you're a clinician seeing somebody you know one off or, or first time then it can be really tricky to, to pick up on those 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 elements that might lead you as a practitioner to think oh you know what there's an issue here that, that i really need to be mindful of putting these two things together you mentioned COVID when you were speaking and uh, obviously everything else that you then went on to to speak about in terms of the decline and in, in, in capacity. So we've probably seen a real rise in the use of Zoom and Teams calls and just video technology overall. So how has that in, uh, impacted on the uh, mental capacity provision? Well, at the start of, of lockdown, um, it was really interesting in the, the, as we went into lockdown, I, I think I was a lone voice saying, you know what, we can do these sort of assessments over over video link, over Zoom. Um, and and the, the, everybody else was saying, no, no, it's not possible. And then I think within a week of lockdown, people were going, yeah, of course we can do it over Zoom. We're all experts on it now. And and I think there's been, a, certainly at the start, there's a really steep learning curve as to how do we use this. My, my view, and I think a lot of clinicians and practitioners' views now is, is it is a tool to be utilised. And, and it's, as with face-to-face assessments, it's the skill of the assessor that, that to use the tool in the right way. Um, and I, I talk about assessments, but, you know, equally for, you know, for advisors, for, for will writers that, that are having their, their meetings with, with people over Zoom because they can't see them. You know, there, there are skills, there are, there are techniques that I think everybody has built now into their, their portfolio. I would hate to see once lockdown, should it ever end, whatever it looks like, that that tool gets thrown away, that people go back to going face to face, because I think it offers so much in terms of speed, in terms of availability, in terms of accessibility for, for so many elements of society. Yeah, and there's no reason that mental capacity should be any different, is there? It, it's worked. It, it's been proven to work. So why yeah. would we go back? Look, I, my personal view on that, Tim, is that uh, is that it is here to stay, and uh, it's been enough of a of a behavioural shift in, uh, in in the eyes of the consumers who are often driving this, but uh, also yeah. in the the pr- practitioners who are delivering the services. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Dave. Totally. Let's let's move along. So I'm interested again, Tim. I'm just going to come to you and Jonathan. I've got some <laughs> questions for you, so don't feel left out. Uh, That's okay. And, uh, I know my time will come. <laughs> yes. So uh, let's look forward a little bit. A little bit of crystal ball gazing. Uh, we're we're going to be likely to see some more change in the future in the private client space. Where do you anticipate the industry is going to be heading? 
Well, I think, you know, we've, we've been talking about Zoom, we've been talking about, um, you know, the use of technology. Even before COVID, we were seeing, a, you know, a, an increase in the use of, you know, engagement through, through the internet, through social media. And, you know, I think everybody would agree that that's a trend that's just going to continue. Um, there seems to be the, the ever ongoing debate between what the right test is in terms of testamentary capacity. You know, is it the MCA? Is it banks versus Goodfellow? I mean, I know that the latest ruling, and it was Clitheroe versus Bond, kind of upheld that, that the banks versus Goodfellow was the was the, the correct test for it. But then we know at the same time that there, there seems to be a jarring in the fact that if we apply for statutory will, then that gets levelled against the Mental Capacity Act. So, you know, there, I think there, there's still a number of things that, that need to be reconciled in that, in that field. And it'd be interesting to see how that debate goes on. I think the other thing we're really going to see is the, the push by the SRA in terms of vulnerable customers. So we know that the FCA have come out with their guidance in, in 2021, you know, and they're really saying, you know, that, that it's a regulatory, regulatory obligation um, for anybody that sits under the FCA. And, and the SRA are mirroring that. And I think that, that that's, we're going to see a really big push. And certainly as we get the fallout from COVID, you know, and, and, and everything that, that, that that's going to be one of the things that's high up on the radar in the, in the private client world. And of course, with uh, the aging population, we're going to see more and more of this. So you would think that the uh, regulatory frameworks would need to keep up and that we'd be more likely to see uh, more regulation in and around this or certainly more clarity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about technology for a moment. Jonathan, I promise to come to you. We can talk about technology for the next 30 minutes now. So, uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm going to be happy. Now, tell me, what, what uh, does the Comentus app do and how does that kind of work in with the, the, the great scene that's been set by Tim there in terms of some of the problems that, that, we're, uh, that we're addressing? And, and, and where do you kind of see that going in, in the future? Okay, so let, let's cover off you know, what uh, what Comentus does. I'll try not to make it a sort of uh, complete plug for our, for our solution, even though it may be. So what we've done, we, we've built, and this is where Tim gets very big-headed and, and everything else, and, and we, we've taken Tim's you know, extensive, practical, hands-on experience of the last next amount of years. Um, and what we've done is we've taken this experience that he's got and blended it essentially with a, a, a technology and a function which, which is, is delivered through what's called a web app. A lot of confusion about apps we hear, you know, in the market, you, you have a native app, so the sort of thing you download on an app store, or you have a web app. A web app is basically a website that has an application within it. So we deliver ours through a web app um, and obviously through, you know, again, I'm going to use some jargon here, you know, API integrations, uh, which obviously we, we, we've done with yourself. So what the Comentus app does is it allows uh, practitioners to really get an early indication from a very consistent and objective manner to identify as there is any capacity issues. So, you know, we all know that, you know, a, you know, a full assessment, you know, seven, eight hundred pounds plus, you know, for example. And you know, we know why. You know, it's someone's time. It's a lot of their time. It's the report writing and everything else. But. I think what there is, there's a lot of instances here where 
you know, an, an early warning flag system can really, really be helpful, you know, to understand, you know, has, you know, is there a need for a full assessment? And if there's not, have I documented why there is not? You know, and again, from a readover from, from the financial services sector and saying, you know, my background is so much of, of you know, complaints that, that are upheld are about poor record keeping rather than, um, you know, bad advice or whatever. And, and I'm positive the same is exactly the same in the legal services. So it is about documenting and proving retrospectively, which is always a challenge because we don't know what's going to come tomorrow and they're going to ask what happened yesterday. So what we do is we say we take Tim's experience, Tim's knowledge, we put it in a, um, a reasonably clever technology framework, and we've developed what we've called a cognitive assessment engine. And what this engine can do, you can plug in different assessment types. So one of them is the testamentary for mental capacity. Uh, we're looking at you know, sort of the, um, the LPA side of mental capacity as well, and I'm sure there'll be others. Um, interesting enough, we're starting to see a look capacity looked at a lot more of in financial services uh, as well. So we're starting to see a lot more read over and, and I think uh, a closer linkage between these two sectors uh, as things moving forward. So almost sort of reflecting what Tim said. So, yeah, we have a, a piece of kit, I'll use a, a non-technical jargon, that can be deployed where practitioners can, with their client, go for a, result, go for a short series of questions. And what that then does is, you know, it then actually can be input into our algorithms and into our platform to say, right, here is a report which identifies if there is or is not any uh, capacity you know, issues. So it's very much, you know, an early warning flag system. But as I say, you know, it's consistent, it's objective. You know, things that regulators in any sector are really, really keen on. So that's sort of what it does. To your second question in terms of where do we go from here well, and what, what next and what's the future looks like. Um, everyone seems to love to say we're AI. We do AI. It's great. And it seems the real buzzword. Um, we don't, by the way. You know, our <laughs> processing, if you like, is div driven by clinical expertise, not a machine. Now, that is not saying in the future that we can start augmenting that clinical expertise with certain components of AI. And there's two here that I think are going to come to the fore in sort of the work that we do and, and around mental capacity. You know, we're not going to have a, uh, you know, a mental capacity assessor replaced by a robot and a digital version. I, I just think that's never going to happen. There's too many nuances. There's too many subtleties that, you know, good uh, assessors, you know, have skills of spotting in their, in their abundance. However, what we will start to see, I think, for this early warning and flagging system is, is using, say, two areas. One is, is what's called machine learning. What machine learning does is it looks at patterns, essentially. It takes vast amounts of data and it looks for patterns in that data. So I think you know, as we go on and as we do more assessments through Comentus, we'll start to build up some really valuable data um you know all of it is is completely anonymized actually within our platform we don't take any of the clients data or information or any personal identifiable information so it's just that raw sort of data in terms of what they've asked and we get that back so what we can then start to say well we've got the data we can see the outputs we can start to look at trends that happen within any of the responses um to pick up flags so all these things will make it more accurate in the future are more, you know, more able to spot these little nuances. The second area I think where the future could lie is, is around what's called NLP, which is natural language processing. 
and not when I first came into the industry, neurolinguistic programming, which I got very confused on for about the first four months before someone explained, no, it's not that. So what that will allow you to do, that then starts to analyze the words themselves. So how people formulate phraseology and terminology um, and then start looking for trends within that. But what it also then allows you to do is to now interact with that person who's completing it in a much more sort of conversational manner. So instead of the, the sort of a, a traditional interface, here's a question, you give an answer, you can ask a conversation. And, you know, this is the fundamentals of a chatbot. So you can ask a question and then you can answer it in a much more conversational manner. And, and what's really interesting is, so Tim was talking before about sort of that key demographic, you know, for certainly for sort of will writing around sort of the 50 to 65, 70 year olds. Um, there was... The, by some, there is a perception that this group don't like chatbots. They don't like to in interact with technology. Um, I can categorically say that that's completely incorrect. Um, in a, in, you know, some uh, primary research has been carried out. Uh, I actually carried out in a, in a previous life um, with people of that demographic. And they loved, you know, chatbots. They loved doing stuff online. You know, and, and COVID, I think, has accelerated that where, there is generally a nervousness to let someone into your house and, you know, not for any other reasons, just for, you know, for general health reasons. So I think, you know, you, you've got a, this burgeoning population who, you know, they're growing in numbers because of the aging population. They're getting much, much more comfortable with using technology. A lot of people in these age groups, you know, they use it day to day and, you know, they're working and they use it day to day in their work. Um, and then, you know, those two things, together and then if you roll in things like chatbots and that which they you know they like technology is a great leveler it makes a service accessible to all at a very very low cost point and i think that's where the future of what we can provide really really comes in so we can take all this technology stuff we can start to use you know machine learning and nlp but really make it available and accessible to all at a low cost point. So there shouldn't be a decision, oh, I think this client, I'm not sure if there's a capacity issue, but I don't think they can afford a full assessment. Let's not go down that route. You know, it removes that decision and it makes it so much more equitable across the board. And I think that's a big area of sort of future technology. And, and for Comentus, that sits at the heart of what we do as well. Now, our mission statement that... Tim and myself and our other co-founder, we spent a lot of time thinking about is what are we about? What are we trying to achieve? And it was all about helping organizations across any sector identify customers and clients who are vulnerable or at risk, who would otherwise go undetected. So that's it's at the heart of what we do. So again, I think everything we do driving forward is about providing cost-effective, um, you know, easily accessible technology that can be deployed so there you go hopefully that sort of covered those, those those two or three questions you posed that was excellent can i just say to you gentlemen and to your other co-founder who's, who's not on with us today congratulations thank that's, you that's no easy thing building what you have and it's uh, an absolute pleasure to have uh, you on the show here today because you're bringing digital services to something that is uh, absolutely essential 
Now, I could uh, I could ask you a thousand and one follow-up questions, Jonathan, because you've got me started on artificial intelligence. Um, I think that's a fantastic direction to uh, to take. But look, we've got kind of uh, only about another five minutes to uh, to spend. And I did want to uh, pick your brains a little bit. Uh, Tim, I'm going to come back to you on this. Now, I asked this question of everybody who comes on to, to the podcast. Can you finish this sentence for me, please? My advice to people starting out on uh, the in the industry or wanting to uh, consider uh, um, growing within the industry is? So I'd say there are three things. Firstly, know your strengths. Secondly, surround yourself with people that are better and cleverer than you. In my case, that's not too difficult. Thank you. And thirdly, always have a plan B. So that would be my three bits of advice. Brilliant. Thank you. Jonathan, what would you have to say in, uh, to, to finish that sentence? I mean, I, I, of course, agree with the three. Um, I think, say, surround, you know, joking aside, I think surrounding yourself with people who are more experienced, better, um, is, is invaluable and learning from them. Um, I think, again, because of my background, I would also say, Learn from other sectors as well. Look into the broader working environment, other you know, complementary sectors and services. There's a lot of readover between the two. And again, I'm purely saying this from personal experience, having moved more into the legal services sector, is that, yeah, do look at other sectors. Look at their direction of travel. Look at some of the key skills and competencies that exist there. Because I think it means you can bring something different to a conversation and to the table. Um, and for me, that's really important. You know, if I stayed in financial services, I started as a graduate trainee years ago. Um, again, I wouldn't have brought anything different to financial services, but coming into legal services, I have. So, yeah, for me, it's, it's you know, Tim's points 100%, but look around a little bit more. Learn from other sectors, other verticals, and other people in those sectors. Get a mentor in a completely different sector. Um, I just think it gives you a different perspective and uh, and, and it, it's that's got to be a good thing. Absolutely. Gentlemen, that is fantastic advice. And I'm sure that any of the listeners in today are going to be scribbling notes furiously on that because uh, you, uh, you have been there, you've done that in different sectors. And uh, I think that's brilliant advice to, uh, to take on board. Now, you may have noticed that uh, hidden in amongst all those gems that uh, that Jonathan was talking about and uh, and that we talked about with Tim was the mention that Arkin has built an integration with Comentus. So that news is uh, now out in the market. This podcast is going to be released around about that same time. We're very excited about that. And we're delighted to be partnering with you. So uh, we very much look forward to uh, to working with you really successfully as we start to digitize the industry as we start to deliver new services to uh to our client groups so here's to good times gentlemen indeed absolutely indeed looking really forward to it. It. really looking forward to it brilliant well look i think that brings us up on pretty much the sort of 37 minute mark which is uh, pretty much bang on when we said that we would finish mm-hmm. so from all of us here uh it is goodbye but uh once again jonathan thank you to you thank you And Tim, a a very big thank you to you as well. Pleasure, Dave. Pleasure.
To everyone listening in today, thank you for your attendance. I'm sure that you've got plenty out of everything that Jonathan and, and Tim have uh, said and given to you today. If you're interested in subscribing to future podcasts, we do aim to bring you uh, a new podcast with leading people within the industry uh, every two to three weeks. So thank you from us and goodbye. Thank you for listening. For more information on Ark and Legal and to hear other episodes of Business Broadcasts, head over to www.arkan.legal.